Hey guys, welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kim. And today we're going to do something a little bit different because uh, when we were recording, turns out I'm uh, I'm on a roll with making my stories a little bit longer than usual. She it Not only did she make them like longer than usual, she made a full-length episode all by herself, guys. You are welcome, guys. Um, so this is just going to be Weird Times today and... Uh, it's going to be all about haunted objects. Which I am super excited about. And uh, I hope you enjoy. And the next episode, we are planning to make just a true crime episode with Kim. Right. And so I- if you don't like my segment, you can just safely skip next week's episode. I'm really excited about yours, though. <laughs> I can't wait. So uh, without further ado, let's get on with the show. so the first of these mini cursed objects is going to be kind of a better known one i think we've all maybe heard of it it's the dybbuk box have you heard of this one i have not actually i have no idea what you're talking about Great. This is a cool story. You're going to love it. I usually do. You usually do. Okay. I appreciate you, Kim. (laughs) Although, in case our listeners have not picked up on it, I love paranormal and supernatural stuff, but I'm also super skeptical of all of it. Oh, I am too. So, I love punching holes in (laughs) Ashley's story as she's telling them. It's my favorite part. Yeah. I can see the joy in your eyes when you do it. So, I mean... (laughs) That's all right. I don't, you know what? This one, I don't know if you can punch any holes in. I'm going to try. Okay. The Dybbuk box is a wine cabinet. Uh, it's not. It's just a small wooden tabletop cabinet. It has two doors that open out. So like. Like a cabinet. Like a cabinet. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. That was a great description. You're welcome. It has what is known as the Shima carved into the back of it now this i actually had to look up myself i didn't know this part it's like the prayer during jewish morning and evening prayer services oh yeah i didn't know that either yeah uh i mean unfortunately i don't know a ton about jewish judaism judaism (laughs) jewish judaism (laughs) (laughs) so if i have any misinformation on that please feel free to let me know now the term dybbuk is actually a hebrew term for a restless malicious spirit that can haunt and possess the living so you kind of have an idea of what's going on here yeah okay getting there (laughs) now the term dybbuk box was actually coined by a man named kevin manis who was selling it on ebay so this is a totally true story that he definitely didn't make up to make money uh yeah absolutely okay got it now kevin (laughs) owned an antique shop in portland and he bought this wine cabinet at an estate sale in 2001. That's way more recent than I anticipated. Yeah. See, I thought it was going to be really old too, but it's like, hmm. Now the cabinet itself is, it originally belonged to a Holocaust survivor who lived in Poland. Her name was Havala. She escaped to Spain during the Holocaust and she bought this cabinet there and then she brought it with her to the U.S. when she immigrated. Now when Kevin bought this, he didn't realize it was like, that big of a family heirloom like this is this is something you would want to keep in your family oh yeah this is for pretty sure. big so he offered to give it back to the family now this woman's granddaughter's like hmm, no 
mm, we don't want that. You can have it. That's totally. a good sign. Yeah. You keep that. That's all yours now. She said that it had been in her grandmother's sewing room ever since she, you know, she was little. And it was never opened because her grandmother said that there was a Dybbuk who was trapped inside of it. Creepy. Yeah. I'm going to be Kim here and maybe punch a hole in this <laughs> by saying maybe the grandma just didn't want her granddaughter snooping around in the wine cabinet. Yeah. Stay out of my booze, guys. <laughs> They're haunted. It's haunted booze. Well, Kevin, much like Kim, I'm sure, opened it anyway. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> would have first thing opened that cabinet. Yeah. When he opened it, he found two pennies from the 1920s. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a lock of blonde hair that was bound with a cord. Weird. Less cool, bro. Uh, then a lock of brown or black hair that was also bound with a cord. Okay. A canister of teeth. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, and a small statue that was engraved with a Hebrew word for shalom, mm-hmm. which I cannot tell you what that looks like. I'm sorry. I don't need. I don't know. I, I mean, it's written in Hebrew, so yeah, you could look that up. I'm sure. It also had a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder that had like four octopus-shaped legs, which kind of sounds cool. I kind of want. I know that. all of those things sound pretty neat to this- find an old cabinet. So, like when I was younger, when my great grandmother passed away, we went to clean out her house, mm-hmm. and in one of her old chests that she had in a back room, we found two or three braided locks of hair in there oh wow so it so the the hair actually didn't surprise me that much because apparently that was kind of a thing well i mean think about it when you have kids their first haircut yeah you save some hair people keep hair yeah it's not that weird my mom kept my teeth that's a little weird i don't look apparently that's a tradition and make you a necklace or something oh god (laughs) (laughs) also i mean i feel like i'm 34 years old and I still pick up like shiny and, and antique looking things like a little raven. So I keep a hoard of weird stuff like that. So maybe that's what she was doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, could be. I wonder I if the goblet, was it actual gold or was it just gold colored? I, it was probably just golden colored, you know? Gotcha. Okay. But who's to say? It could have it just been like a brass goblet. Mm-hmm. But it, I would assume if it was golden, like real, real gold, gold, they would have made a bigger deal out of that. Yeah, probably. Now... Kevin and other numerous owners of this box have had strange things happen to them while they were in possession of it. Kevin says that he had several like horrific, really terrifying nightmares of a hag, which kind of seems like not such a big deal, except other people who have owned this cabinet also mention the same dreams. Okay, that one's a little bit creepier. Yeah, and also people who have stayed at his home. Have had these dreams. Hmm. So maybe they're in the room where the cabinet is. I don't know. Hmm. Other owners have reported the smell of either cat urine or jasmine, which seems like two completely different smells. Uh, Maybe it depends on if the cabinet likes them or not. Oh, that's a good idea. Now, Kevin actually gave this box as a birthday present to his mother, whose birthday's on Halloween. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a pretty good gift. But he couldn't sell it? Nobody wanted it? I guess so. Huh. Because I'm I'm assuming this is before he tried to sell it on eBay. Yeah. Because, you know, he owned the antique store. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then he just kind of gave it to his mother. Mm. Uh, Well, unfortunately, she had a stroke that same night that she was given this box. So it's not looking 
too good. And that's a hell of a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Now, the last person who owned this box and the last person to have auctioned it off, Iosef Nitsky, he claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his home. Like light bulbs? Like light bulbs, yeah. But, like, I'm assuming, like, if he's talking, like, burning out, like, he put a new one in and it burns out, like. Within a week or two. Within a, probably sooner, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it caused his hair to fall out. <laughs> I mean. That sounds like an excuse to me. Yeah, but that sounds like an awful, convenient yeah. <laughs> reason. I wouldn't have been bald except for this cursed cabinet. This cabinet made me lose all my hair. The man who bought the box from Nitsky, who is Jason Haxton, and I can say that name way better, says he developed health issues. While he owned the box. Uh, he got hives. He started coughing up blood. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> he had held head to toe welts on his body. I mean he was having a pretty hard time. Did he like see a specialist? or? Um, I don't know. I didn't go into that. And I also wondered <laughs> if it was like giving off the smell of cat urine. I wonder if he was allergic to like cats. <laughs> yeah like maybe he was just allergic to this box. Or Jasmine. Maybe he's allergic to Jasmine. Now, Jason got in touch with some rabbis to, like, seal this dibbick back in the box. Like, just in case, you know, this is real, let's let's just put it back in the box. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Apparently, this was successful, and Haxton hid this box away in a secret location. Only he knew where it was. He wasn't telling anybody where it was. And apparently, he didn't have any other problems after that. So, not a bad idea. Huh. Either he got rid of it... And it just stopped haunting him. Or they actually sealed this dibbick back in the box. Yeah. One of the things worked. That's all that right. matters. Eventually, though, Zach Bagans, you know, Ghost Adventures, got it as a donation from Jason Haxton. I would assume, like, if somebody wanted it, I'd, I'd be pretty happy to just kind of give it away. Yeah. Like, so. you want this haunted box? Yeah, take it. Take it. It's all yours. Uh, not to mention it probably got some fame out of it, too. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, and now he... Zach Bagans actually showcases this in one of his haunted museums. Uh, I want to say in Vegas. Maybe it moves around. I'm not sure. So what you're saying is we need to go to Vegas and find out. Sounds like a pretty good excuse to go to Vegas to me. Yeah. Okay. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he actually has it open in his museum. Oh. I think. But I don't know of any hauntings in his museum. However, Zach Bagans, I think, kind of toes the line a lot with all this stuff so if anything's haunted we're not going to know where it's coming from anyway yeah there's some hauntings in here what do you think it's from i don't know maybe the fact that everything in here is haunted maybe freaking everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also one more side note this dibbick box was actually the inspiration for the 2012 movie the possession which i actually haven't seen i haven't seen it either i don't i don't do horror movies well i really really like them but i have to like be in the right mood Mm-hmm. So, I'm a big old weenie who watches them <laughs> through her fingers. <laughs> I have witnesses. I legitimately watch them through my fingers. See, I'm the like complete, a child. Well, I mean, I'm say I'm the complete opposite. I can tell you exactly when you're about to jump. Oh, I know when it's coming. So, that's when the hands go over my eyes. <laughs> but that's about the time I usually, if somebody's looking through their eyes, I scare them really good too. So, <laughs> as opposed to looking through other body parts. <laughs> Only if they're looking with their eyes, though. Not if they're looking with their, the like, next elbows. autumn, Kim. It's going to be a painting. It's a cursed painting. 
And it is actually, I'll show this on social media, but it is kind of a creepy painting. It is called The Hands Resist Him. And it's a painting by Bill Stoneham and it was painted in 1972. Now, because we're on a podcast, I can't show it to you right now. It's okay. I'm Googling it. Ah, okay. At this good, vi- good, good. Ooh. It's creepy. Oh. Just in and of itself, just the, just the picture itself before any of the story. It's creepy, right? It is. So, do you want me to describe it a Go little for bit? It. So, it's, it's two kids and they're standing outside of this window or this glass door. I can't tell. It's a door. Yeah. So, they're standing outside of this glass door and the little girl has a face. Almost like a doll. She looks like a porcelain doll. She's a she doll. She has this, yeah. Yeah, it is a doll. So, yeah, she definitely looks like a doll, but like a really sad, creepy doll. Like her eyes yeah. and her mouth, she's frowning. She looks really sad. And then the little boy also looks pretty distressed. I mean, he's not happy by any yeah. means. And they're it- just standing outside this door. The little girl's holding something. I can't tell what it is. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you might be looking at the actual cursed painting that's listed on eBay. Oh, there's a difference? Well, yeah. And I'll tell you in a minute. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. Like Kim said, it is a painting of a young boy and a female doll. And they're sitting on, like, it looks like a porch in front of a paneled, uh, a window paneled door. The windows on the door, if you look behind them, have hands pressed against them. Oh, my gosh. It does. You didn't notice that, did you? I did not see that. <laughs> That's the creepy part to me, because you don't notice it right away. That's not the subject of the painting. And they're small hands. They're not like grown-up hands. They're like kid hands. Which is just creepy enough as it is. Now, Stoneham says the painting is based on a photograph of him at age five. I'm hoping it's just the photograph of his body. And like he added the rest of this as an embellishment, because if this is the real picture... They've got some issues. (laughs) Yeah. And he says the meaning of this picture is like... The doorway represents the dividing line between the waking world and the world of, like, fantasy. Imagination, I'm assuming, you know. Uh, The doll is supposed to be a god that's going to escort the boy through this door to the world of fantasy. Well, I would think they would be way happier about this than what they look in the picture. Yeah, it's looking like he doesn't want to go, right? (laughs) Yeah, and she's really sad to be taking in there. Yeah, she doesn't probably want to go either. And the hands that are on the window are supposed to represent the alternate lives or possibilities in this world of fantasy. I mean, when you say it all out, it sounds like a cool painting. But when you look at the painting, it it is not a happy, fun child dream thing yeah well kim now that you've looked at it um we're doctor who fans i'm literally wearing a doctor who shirt yeah you literally have a tardis on you right now yeah um (laughs) so you know how the weeping angels uh, a picture of a weeping angel becomes a weeping angel yes okay so like looking just looking at the portrait is also cursed so i'm cursed now yeah thanks ashley you're welcome (laughs) Next week on True Crimes and Weird Times, Ashley is now a solo host. (laughs) We're going to talk about the mysterious death of Kim. (laughs) Now, this painting was originally purchased by an actor named John Marley, which is uh, an an actor from The Godfather. That's what he's well known for. Yeah. And after his death, it was placed in an old brewery, which was owned by an elderly couple from California. 
They then placed it on eBay for auction in February of 2000. The description they put for the auction claimed that the portrait was cursed and or haunted, which is basically the same thing to me. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Bad stuff's going to happen yeah, whichever you way you go. You don't want it. They claimed that the subjects in the painting would move or just disappear completely at night and sometimes are seen in the room the painting was displayed in, like out of the painting in the room. See, all I'm thinking right now, though, is they're going, nobody's going to want this picture. It's really creepy. We've got to come up with a good story to go with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But they also listed some other photos of the painting where they, that they said were like proof that things were moving. Okay. Now, the painting they list in the eBay listing and the one you probably saw looks like she's holding a gun at the young boy. Kind of. I mean, the one I'm looking at, she's holding like a black object and the... Right. I guess the window pane could look like the barrel of a gun. Right. So that's probably what you're seeing then is the one that, sh- that was listed. Now, the artist himself claimed that that's n- that just looks like they put that in there. Oh, okay. That so it looks like- she originally was not holding that? Right. In the painting, in the original painting, she is not holding that. But he says that it's like um, like a jumble of wires and uh, something else. I can't remember what he said it was. Exactly. Okay, so I found like a zoomed in picture of it. And you can definitely see it's some kind of canister maybe. Yeah. And it's got wires coming out the yeah. top. And I can see the creepy hands behind her even better now. That's great. <laughs> oh, no, you're cur- cursed double. Good job. Double curse. Double curse. And we will post it on our social media so you can all be cursed with me. Absolutely. We'll put that first so you can't even... Can't even scroll past Can't it. Can't scroll past it. Yeah. I'm going to curse all of Instagram. Now, also in the listing, they said that they were absolved from anything. Like, they will not have any liabilities if something bad happens to you. They're but, not taking any responsibility. This is on you. I mean, that could either be, like, to cover their own butts or for a dramatic effect. For a dramatic effect, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the initial bid was for $199, which doesn't seem like a, not, a lot for a work of art. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's still a painting. Yeah. Whether it's cursed or not. Well, and not only that, that doesn't seem like a not a lot considering the fact that a kind of well-known actor owned it ahead of time. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. It would have some history behind it at least. Mm-hmm. So. You would think even just that would be enough for them to sell it. Like, oh, this painting used to belong to. Yeah. Maybe it was just. A way to get rid of it. Maybe they didn't want it mm-hmm. because it was haunted. I don't know. Uh, it was eventually sold, however, for $1,025. And it was from a gallery in Missouri. Now, the gallery actually contacted the original painter, Stoneham, about this whole story, the listing, everything. And Stoneham was surprised by the story. You know, he had never heard anything like that before. And, you know, he painted it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is on him, kind of. <laughs> But he did find it odd because the owner of the gallery, as well as the art critic who reviewed it, both died within a year of coming into contact with that painting. Ooh. Yeah. Creepy. But uh, nobody else seemed to have died in possession of it. So, well, I mean, I guess John Marley did, but (laughs) I don't know how he died. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like he had it for quite a while and then died, so I don't think it was the painting. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the cabinet one, 
I can I can kind of go along with, but this one I feel like is just purely fabricated to sell it on yeah, eBay. That's what it sounds like to me. Although it is a very creepy picture. It is. I wouldn't want that in my house. Absolutely not. I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. And we are the, the podcast, podcast from, from the, the crypt. crypt. Join us every Friday as we discuss accounts of murder, mayhem, paranormal, and all things spooky. Plus a dash of comedy to help soothe your soul during these chilling tales. You can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Also, you can find us at thepodcastfromthecrypt.buzzsprout.com and you can choose from there how you'd like to listen. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at The Podcast From The Crypt. Be sure to tune in and listen to us discuss what nightmares are made of. Let's get weird. And as always, hail Satan. And we'll see you in hell. Now this next one is the Goddess of Death statue. Um, It's also known as the Woman from Lim. You may have heard of it. It's something I've kind of heard of before a long, long time ago. I don't know if I've heard of the Woman from Lim. I've heard of a a woman from Pasadena, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know about the woman from Impanina. Impa, Impa, da, 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 That's that what song. I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pasadena. <laughs> Pasadena. <laughs> okay, so now this statue was allegedly unearthed in 1878 in Limpa, Cyprus. Uh, it's a Mediterranean island. Let's just leave it at that if I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> but uh, it actually dates almost 3,000 years earlier. So this has been buried for quite a while. It was... Originally named the Woman of Lim because of where it was found, but also because it was believed to represent a Cypriot fertility goddess. Those are pretty common, right? Yeah. Like the fertility goddess statues. Yeah. The curse of the statue began pretty quickly after it was unearthed. So I just want to say, though, I looked up a picture of this just now. This doesn't look anything like what I expected it to. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a woman at all. Yeah, I was expecting like some goddess. It's yeah. like a... A, a cross like it's a cross shaped statue and it's got like this kind of basic face at the top of it and like the cross section is the arms there's not even hands or anything yeah. and some legs carved into it it's kind of got a shape of like if someone made an abstract vase kind of yeah it's yeah but yeah it doesn't really have the shape of a body not really no yeah now the curse actually began with its very first owner, like pretty much after it was unearthed. It belonged to Lord Elfont during the British colonial occupation of Cyprus. Elfont and six other members of his family died just within like six years of owning the statue. But here's the thing. This is like the 19th century. People just died sometimes. I mean, people just die sometimes now. Well, yeah, but like (laughs) it would be odd now if people died. Unexpectedly. Yeah that close together and this is like six people within six years that's still a lot yeah that's really close together even for then that's almost like one a year obviously (laughs) if we're doing like basic math here (laughs) actually no if we're doing basic math here that's seven people that's more than one person a year (laughs) i'm really proud of your math skills right now thank you uh so of course elephant dodd statue gets passed on to uh 
Ivor Manucci in Europe. He and his entire family also died within just four years of owning the statue. So that's... Are you mathing again? I don't, I don't have any math for that because I don't know how many members of his family. Oh, okay. That's a lot of people in four years, guys. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's only two people. And Then that would be less than a person a year. Is this how you teach your children math? Oh, God, I'm not teaching them math. Now, the same thing happened to its third owner, Lord Thompson Noel. He and his entire family died within just a few years of owning the statue. So this is three households now. Okay, that one is a little harder for me to punch holes in. Right. That's a lot of families dying. So did it have any other owners in between these families that were dying? No, I think it was like first owner, Dodd. Okay, it's going to this guy, Dodd. Third owner, Dodd. Oh, so it's just, just... It's just killing everybody. Yeah. Now, the last known buyer was a private buyer named Sir Alan Biverbrook. I'm liking that name. Biverbrook. Biverbrook. He died along with his wife and two daughters after owning the statue. And this is just over a short amount of time. But actually, this left his two sons in possession of the statue. So, you're the only two survivors left in your family. What are you going to do with the statue? I'm going to smash it with a sledgehammer. (laughs) Well, well, they just got rid of it. I would have smashed it with a sledgehammer. They actually donated it to the Royal Scottish Museum in Edinburgh. Now, when the museum finally put this statue out on display, the curator who handled it, who picked it up, put it out, he died within one year of touching the statue, just mysteriously. So you die if you touch it? That's the idea, maybe? I mean, that would make sense. Say, like, if this belonged to households, Mm -hmm. it's possible people touched it. Moved it to clean. When they got it, they showed each other. Yeah. Oh, look at the statue. Wow, it looks great. You know? I mean, especially I am... This is going to sound really weird. I'm a toucher. No, I am too. So, like, if I'm somewhere where there's something really old and cool, I want to touch it and, like, feel it. Yeah. And put my hands on it. So, I would be that person. So, if someone was like hey, check out this statue. It was dug up and it's been buried for 3,000 years. I'm like, oh, let me that's see it. I'm going to take it from them. Yeah, I, I, I've said before, if I die, that's going to be how I've touched something stupid. I always figured for me it'd be pushing a button I wasn't supposed to push. Oh, that's true too. I didn't think about that. So naturally now it is behind glass. It's still being shown at the museum in Edinburgh, but they have it surrounded by glass now. So no one can touch it. Man, I really want someone to touch it, but I, I don't know. want them to die. I just, oh. I just like, I want to see if they do. <laughs> yeah. And that is the goddess of death. And I think it's a very fitting name considering. Yeah. That's the only one that I'm kind of like, ooh. That's There's a- no, I don't have any holes to punch in that one. Yeah. I mean, sure, people died a lot then, but that's a, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's three households and then a curator. Now, this next one is called the Bassano vase. I'm going to say Bassano. I'm going to agree that that's correct, even though I don't actually know. Now, the whereabouts of this vase are currently unknown. They don't have any direct eyewitness accounts, just stories of its curse. So it might not even exist. Mm, Maybe. Let's talk about it. Okay. It is said to be one of the most cursed objects known to mankind, even though no one... No one knows truly where it came from, and no one really knows where it's at currently. Okay, so it 
definitely existed. Probably. Probably. Okay. Now, from what has been said about it, the vase was silver. I would say completely silver, considering how it was found. Okay. Uh, It weighed about four pounds, and it was crafted in the 15th century sometime. No one has a good date on it. And it was said to have been a wedding gift. Legend goes that it was given to a bride the night before her wedding in Napoli, Italy. Whether it was a gift or whether it was given to her with some sort of uh, evil plan behind it mm-hmm. is questionable. Like, I wondered that. Because the bride never actually made it to her wedding. Uh, she was actually found the next day dead. How? Do we know? Do we know what killed her? Uh, well, no, because it's just like a legend. It's just like the story. Oh. So she's just dead the next day. But that vase is what was given to her the night before. Okay. You know, if it happened. If it happened. Now, little other information on this survived, uh, you know, names of the bride, her fiance, who gave her the gift, etc. So it kind of sounds a little urban legendy to me. Yeah, I'm feeling the urban legend vibes right. there. The legend also goes to say that soon after she had died, the vase was given to like a family member. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. of a family member of that bride, and they also died shortly after receiving the vase. Now, I don't know much about medieval history except what's on TV. I wonder if maybe it was coated in something poisonous. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that's just a theory. So, the family kind of just came to the conclusion that, uh, the vase is cursed. And probably way smarter than the people who took over the Goddess of Death statue because they quickly got rid of that thing before it could kill anybody else. But I could also see them just, like, two tragedies back to back and they just want to blame someone or something. Yeah. So, they had it hidden away. Where, when, nobody has a good story on that. Okay. So, they just... Gave it away. It's gone now. The story says that it was buried. They buried it somewhere. Uh, others say that they gave it to a family priest who disposed of it. But from there, there's a huge gap of just like hundreds of years before it resurfaces again. And it resurfaces again in 1988. Man, also pretty recent. Yeah, way more recent than I was expecting. A man actually digs it up and... I assume he's just like come across it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and dug it up. But there's a note that's attached to it. And it reads, beware the vase brings death. Like on so, a piece of paper? Was it in a box maybe? Wonder, it's possible. I would feel like maybe they put it in a box and sealed it up and buried it. This medieval family laminated this note. <laughs> placed it in the vase. Etched it into a rock. That's <laughs> probably what happened. So the man, I mean... Seeing the value in this, I assume, and also probably not wanting this curse. Both good reasons. Yeah. (laughs) He quickly just auctions it off at an auction house. He gets a little over $2,500 for it. Now, he conveniently leaves out the warning note. I mean... (laughs) But I feel like he might have gotten more money out of it with the warning note. Possibly. Or maybe no one would have wanted it. That's true, too. The 80s were, like, the height of people being afraid of the mm. Satanism stuff. And yeah, D&D D&D was new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. That's a different story for another time. We don't know the name of the man who unearthed the vase. The name of the auction house. The name of the buyer who 
bought the vase next. So that's just adding up to like, let's just tackle that up underneath the urban legend. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's no vital information. But it's said that the next buyer who bought the vase died after only three months of owning it. The family then sold it to a doctor who we don't have a name for, who also died only after a few months after owning the vase. But he was apparently 37 years old. So this is kind of a mysterious death. Oh, wow. That's really young. Now, it was said that it was sold again to an archaeologist. As an archaeologist, you would probably want something like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That makes sense to the story. But within three months, you know, he died again of a, a mysterious infection, which also makes me wonder if there's some kind of like... That coating on yeah. it, something poisonous or whatever. I wonder why nobody did any. Well, because they were dead. Because they were dead. <laughs> <laughs> they touched it and died. Now, since then, the vase had been unsellable. I mean, people are dying. Yeah, I probably wouldn't buy a cursed vase yeah. where people keep dying when they touch it. But why on earth would you be telling the history of this vase to, like, oh, yeah, it's gone through like four owners and they're all dead, so. Yeah. Do you want this cursed vase? It kills everyone, but it's really pretty. Yeah. It's silver. Now, if all of this story is true, the a family member of the last buyer of the vase just throws the vase out of a window, which I, I can see that. Like out, out of a house window or out of a car window? Well, out of the house window. It's in the yard now. It can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> well, what I picture is, ew, no. Because <laughs> that's something I would do. <laughs> yep. Get I out of here. <laughs> they threw it out of a house window and it almost ended up hitting a police officer. Who um, happened to be right outside their house? I don't know. Maybe he was just kind of <laughs> walking by and a vase comes hurling towards his head. <laughs> but uh, he picked up the vase and he was going to like, Go over there and, like, find these people for, like, I don't know, littering or something. (laughs) I don't know. Littering and. (laughs) Littering and. (laughs) So he's like, you know, you can't be doing that. We're going to find you. And they're like, okay, we accept the fine, but you can keep that vase. We don't want it. Get it out of here. Yeah, we threw it on the ground, but don't give it back. Yeah, we don't want that. Now, the officer says that when he was holding the vase, he could feel a negative energy coming from it. As one does. Yeah. But I could easily say that about this microphone that I'm talking into right now. That's easy to say about something is all I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, probably once you hear the backstory to it, you're like, oh, yeah, this thing's full of negative energy. Yeah, I was feeling some bad vibes, dude. (laughs) So (laughs) now he tried to donate it to a local museum, but uh, they didn't want it. (laughs) (laughs) So no, thanks. Maybe they heard about that uh, goddess of death statue. Could have been. Like, we don't take cursed objects. So it said now that I'm assuming the police officer, but somebody buried it again and nobody knows where it is. I don't know if it really exists is what I'm getting at here. Makes sense. But boy, if it exists, it is cursed. Yeah, it's super cursed. Okay, now this last one is also a painting. But Kim, you're going to have a field day punching holes in this one. I promise you, this one I don't think is really cursed. I can't wait. Wait, this is the one you don't think is cursed? This is the one I absolutely do not think is cursed. But I wanted to add it in because uh, it's kind of funny in a way. I mean, it's not funny about what happens. But like, <laughs> but like it's funny because of like kind of the mass hysteria. 
that I goes mean, along with it. So far, the only one that I really think might be cursed is the statue. Yeah. The rest of them, I'm, I'm calling it. I'm not, I'm still not going to test those theories. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to touch any of them. No, so, but, <laughs> but this one I don't think was absolutely cursed ever. But I will sit here in my safe house far away from these objects. Exactly. And say that it's bull crap. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this one is called the Crying Boy Painting. It was painted with good intentions. This is not like a creepy painting from from Stoneham. Are you looking it up? I am. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Now, I want to go ahead and say, like, if you go to pull this up, there may be more than one, but there's a specific one of, like, a little boy crying. It should have two tears rolling down his cheeks, I believe. The one where he's kind of looking. That's the one. The one at the very top. The very this first one? one. Yep. So, okay. like, it was actually a series of paintings. Um, but the one you're going to see the most of, uh, and Kim, you can explain it here in just a second, is going to be the one that supposedly cursed the image. So, it's actually a really, like, sad picture. Yeah, it really is. It's like, a beautiful picture, but it's, it's really a, sad. Yeah, it's a fantastic painting as far as, you know, the art style and how, how it's done. Yeah. But it's just this little boy... Like maybe three or four years old. Yeah. And he's just sitting there all wrapped up in his jacket and scarf. And he's crying. And he's just got some tears running down his cheeks. It's really just, it's sad, isn't it? It is. And he's got these beautiful blue eyes. And he's just, he just looks so sad. I just want to go hug him. I know. (laughs) But this is just a part of a series of paintings by a man named, uh, a Spanish artist named Giovanni Bragolini. And he painted this series of paintings in the 1950s. And he sold them to tourists. Now, let me kind of explain that because I know our demographic's like a little bit younger. Um, And they might do it more in the bigger cities. But like artists, a lot of times would paint, do all their works and stuff, round all of them up, take them out to like a really touristy spot and sell them like on the side of the street. Okay. The only thing I'm like, he did a series of paintings of young boys crying. A young children why okay it's the 1950s and this was to pay homage or as a reminder of the orphans in world war ii okay. so i mean world war ii was still kind of a fresh wound in the 50s mm-hmm. and this was just to pay homage to the orphans from world war ii i mean that's i i get that yeah but i i also probably wouldn't buy one for my house probably not i don't think i would want a a picture of a crying child in my house that kind of sends like a strange message yeah it it makes me it would make me sad every time i looked at it which i guess is the point Um, yeah but i i don't know i just i don't think i could i could i could get one for my house also i have a three-year-old that cries quite frequently i don't need need to see it yeah (laughs) but apparently this was like a pretty big deal in England. Like this got really popular. It became a mass-produced picture. Think about like when you went to your grandparents' house and you saw like the Last Supper, yeah, hanging in their house. It was like it was just like a staple in homes in England. Well, like I said, it's a very well done painting. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe people, maybe decor was different back then. But like, I can just see it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Like, so I mean, it's like it's one of those that just kind of is. In your house somewhere. Yeah. You know? Okay. But, like, I mean, it, like, got really big. And it was just in everybody's house. Fast forward to September of 1985. This is 
almost 30 years, maybe a little bit over 30 years since this was painted originally. And there was a tabloid, well, I say there was a tabloid, it's still around, uh, a tabloid called The Sun. Now, they reported that a local firefighter claimed they were finding, like, burned down houses and restaurants, but they're finding this picture of the crying boy completely undamaged. So, everything's burned down, everything's ashes, except for this painting, which kind of just looks creepy enough if you think about it. Yeah. Even this, copies, though? It's not just the original? Yeah, this copies? is like the mass-produced pictures that oh. are in homes. So, like, all of this ashes and then, like, a crying child in, like, the middle of it. That's It's creepy. kind of creepy. What if the painting isn't cursed, but the printing press is Ooh, cursed? Good one. I like that one. <laughs> now, this was in September of 1985 that this article was published. By November, people were coming just out of the woodwork. They were claiming that they were being jinxed by this painting as well. Some claimed that the painting had caused death of family members. Some say that uh, they tried burning the painting and it just wasn't going to burn. It's just not burning. It's creepy. Did they try burning it with fire? <laughs> <laughs> I held it up to the sun with a magnifying glass and nothing happened. Nothing happened. It's too weird. It's haunted. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, guys. We're a little extra ridiculous this episode. Hey, it came out really well, though. <laughs> Uh, they were saying houses and restaurants were burning to the ground and all that's left was this painting, you know. So, in true mass hysteria form, everybody started connecting the dots and came to the conclusion that this painting was cursed. The painting is causing all of this, all these problems. The painting is causing all these houses to burn down. And not thinking about the possibility that the finishing oil on these paintings were was possibly flame retardant. And just wasn't burning. That's also a very good possibility, actually. <laughs> it's a theory that was thrown out there and people are like, mm-mm, it's cursed. We're all going to die. Screw your logic. <laughs> we want a curse. And this is my favorite part. Let me uncover for this. <laughs> this she is... just threw off her blanket like a cape, getting ready. Pulling up sleeves. The sun, this tabloid, then began to organize mass bonfires to burn this painting that was unburnable guys i bet they burned them with fire this time they though. sure did <laughs> did they burn though apparently they burned the staff said that they had uh burned over 2500 copies of this painting wait so thank the, you you're connecting the dots now the legend is <laughs> the paintings won't burn, right? Yep, and they made a bonfire to burn them all. So what were they expecting? I don't know. <laughs> Did they think they were going to like throw the torch on there and nothing would happen? If so, well, what was the point of the bonfires? Well, my whole thing is just like the the thought process that went into this. <gasps> it's burning down the houses and it's not burning. Let's burn them. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like saying we have this indestructible house <laughs> it can't be knocked down and it's killing people let's knock it down yeah but, you're getting it yeah <laughs> wait wait it knocked down so maybe it I, don't th I don't think anybody uh put those pieces together at the end these paintings won't burn let's burn them yeah i don't think that anyway <laughs> after this huge bonfire which i assume is a huge publicity stunt for the sun i mean oh yeah probably i mean they 
I wonder if they had marshmallows. Ooh. No, they'd probably curse your marshmallows. Yeah, I mean, well, wanna... I got to thinking, too. I bet all those people would have died because I think of all the chemicals they put on those oh, paintings. Oh, God, yeah. That was probably like a toxic <laughs> mess floating yeah. in the air. Now, the f- frenzy over this painting finally began to die down to embers. But um, you are welcome for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but not without, of course, even more stories that added to the legend of the crying boy. The biggest one being um, that the boy in the painting was actually an orphan who lived in Madrid, Spain. And the artist found him one day, wanted to adopt him. A priest at the orphanage was like, no. This boy is cursed. Everywhere he goes, there's a fire. You know, the boy's cursed, not the fact that he's burning things down. Yeah. I don't think the boy even existed, but I'm just putting some logic to it here. Gotcha. Um, but the artist was like, no, I want him. I mean, if he's the boy in the picture, he's pretty cute. I would take him home. He's oh, cute. Oh, yeah. He's adorable. <laughs> Sometime later, the artist's studio burned down, supposedly by the boy. And the little boy ran away and was never seen again. But I feel like the artist probably would have included that in yeah. selling the painting. And I'm wondering why he didn't say anything when the son started saying... Is he still around? Is he still alive? Um, I I don't know. That's a long time That would be a long now. time because he painted that in the 50s. I don't know how old he was when he did the painting. Well, not necessarily now, I guess. Was he around when the mass burnings were happening? Again, I don't know how old he was when he painted him, but that's just 30-something years. Surely he was around at least. I would hope so. Well, maybe I don't hope so. Because can you imagine this great work of art that you did that becomes like this household painting and now everyone's burning it? Right. That That would suck. Well, I would assume he would still be getting some kind of money off of that. Unless people like went out to buy copies just to burn. Mm. That could have been a nice little boost I would be feeling that fire, pun intended, <laughs> for that. Because that just increased sales. You're right. Oh, yeah. They're totally cursed, guys. They're very cursed. Oh, my God. Yeah, I totally found that boy and he burned my studio you down. You should buy all of the ones that are available and destroy them. Burn them all! <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would be out there doing it, too. Yeah, That's definitely. Smart. That's the not-so-cursed, maybe-cursed, probably-not-cursed painting of definitely the Definitely not cursed <laughs> Especially considering they they literally proved their non-curse by burning them. Yep. That's it. Right there. That's blowing my... Like, who organized this? The sun. (laughs) That's... Wow, guys. Good job. Good job, humanity. Humanity in a nutshell. Here we all are. Mm Mm-hmm. Not much has changed since the 80s. (laughs) Not a whole lot. But uh, that's part one of uh, some haunted objects. If you enjoyed this, I will be more than glad to do another episode. Um, If you have any suggestions for more haunted objects, ones you would like to hear about, let me know. Hit me up and I'll add them to the list. And maybe we can make this kind of a ongoing, like every once in a while, do some haunted objects. I am totally down for that. I yeah. really enjoy doing less work this episode. No, you are welcome, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is round three of making these episodes way longer than I intended. <laughs> That's You're that. welcome. You are welcome. <laughs>
Email us your stories at truecrimesweirdtimes at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Bye.